Welcome to episode 140, Convos in the Pedicab. Uh, we're back with my friend uh, Brandon Keys, uh, also known as Green Candle Investments. He has a very popular yes, YouTube sir. channel, interviews a lot of really uh, important people in the financial industry, uh, specifically in Bitcoin. Uh, before we get started, though, we got to give a shout out to our sponsors. Have you been leaving your house outside again? Texas weather can wreak havoc on your home, especially your roof. And if you haven't had it inspected lately, chances are that outside elements could be making their way inside your home. Trust Balcones Roofing and Remodeling to perform a thorough roof inspection and offer long-lasting solutions. They are the only five-star rated roofer in Austin who specialize in installing the impact-resistant F-Wave Revia and back all roof replacements with a $20,000 guarantee. To schedule a roof inspection, call 512-937-8805 or visit BalconesRoofsAustin.com. All right. All righty then. Thanks for having me on again, man. 140, damn, look at you, man. I know, well, I'm just trying, you know, we're, we're leveling up a little bit. It's been, it's, it's, a, it's a grind and it's consistent and I'm just, I'm grateful that, um, you know, people still want to come out and talk to me in this crazy heat on, on this tricycle. Bro, I'm fucking sweating my ass off right now, so I hear that, man. Knowing that YouTube is deliberately algorithmically shadow banning me because I have some really interesting guests and we talk about a lot of cool stuff and I should have a lot more of a higher view count. So the fact that people still come out and try to talk to me is pretty it's pretty cool and I really appreciate it. And I appreciate the fact that I have a great producer like Gary who is um, willing to record me at an affordable price because I ride a tricycle for a living. So yeah, shout out cool. Gary. Shout out Gary, baby. Yeah. Shout out Gary. And shout out Carl for the sponsorship money. Yeah, shout out Carl. Shout out Carl. I actually got to, um, I need to talk to him. Oh. See what's up. But yeah, well, Carl, Carl is the man. Carl is the man. We love Carl. Carl, he's calling you soon. Don't worry about it, dude. He's just been busy riding the bike in the heat. In the, this freaking heat is not out of control. We need some climate change lockdowns and CBD. I know, dude. I'm fucking. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be pit sweating this whole time, dude. Bro, uh, how's the conference? It's good. So yeah, for those who don't know, I'm I'm in town again for Bitblock Boom. It's a Bitcoin conference, so it's going well. It's like day. I don't know. I I was here on Monday night. So it's Friday. Uh, I've been here doing some stuff at Pleb Lab. So shout out to Pleb Lab. They're a sponsor of my show, so shameless plug. Uh, but they're on East 6 if you're in Austin. And they're uh, a lot of great stuff. They got a hacker space. They're building a lot of cool products in the Bitcoin space. So I got a cool company. That ZapRite is out of Pleb Lab, and they're going to revolutionize payments. Yeah. That guy on. Um, Parker John. Lewis? No, John. Oh, John. John, yeah. the Parker's off of ZapRite. Well, so Parker and Will Cole, who used to be at Unchained, just moved to uh, Zaprite full time. Wait, so Parker did or just Parker and Will? Wait, they both at Zap? What? Yeah, so they both left Unchained. I don't know why they left Unchained, but I had talked to them both actually on my YouTube channel. So check out my YouTube channel, Green Candle. Um, but yeah, they uh, they both left, and basically, I was like kind of asking them because. You know, it's like an interesting time right now where it's like Bitcoin is in a bear market and, you know, Unchained is a custodial solution, kind of like multi-sig. They allow you guys to like hold your keys and help you hold it in cold storage if that's something that you want to do. And they're very good about it. They're very helpful. About yeah. How to do it and they hold your hand through the process. Exactly. So they do a lot of great stuff and they're like a pretty established company now, especially like in Austin. They have like a big office here and everything. And they host all the meetups. Yeah. So I was like kind of wondering like why... They left, um, like especially like right now, because it's like kind of an uncertain economic time, which I'm sure we'll dive into. But like to go there to like more of a startup route um, was kind of interesting. And Parker's kind of like, you know, at, at first he's he was like, you know, essentially the first step is to get comfortable enough with Bitcoin and then have like a cold storage solution. But the next step is more of like the payment rails kind of thing. And if you want to get paid in Bitcoin, there's really not a good solution out there right now. You could either get paid in a, you know, I mean, you can do it because you're like self-employed. But like if you're trying to get paid in Bitcoin for um, like a blog or Parker's writing a book called Gradually Then Suddenly, and he wants to uh, allow you to have it on 
um, like anywhere you can like read a chapter. You can pay per chapter using ZapRite, and you can pay for it like kind of using Lightning to oh, do that. Oh, that's why one. he's moving to ZapRite because he has a book and he wants to use this thing to get more people to buy his product using. Bro I mean, he wants to stack more sets. That's what he's doing. Yeah, well, and he wants to get paid by, and he has experience building a startup. So like he was early on in Unchained. So it's not only that, but like his experience is probably valuable to John, who can uh, use his experience of building a Bitcoin company and use his. I mean, like to, let's be honest, right? A lot of building a company is like marketing. Parker's got a very big audience as it stands right now. Huge, yeah, and he talks like Lim Alden and all this stuff. Yeah. yeah, so he knows a lot of people in the space. He gets involved with Zaprite. All of a sudden, it adds a lot more validity behind what John is doing at Zaprite, which he's been doing and building a great product for quite some time. But, you know, Parker kind of putting his claim behind it also helps a lot, you know? Yeah, that's going to blow it up. That's really good. Good for John because um, yeah. I was using Zaprite to send invoices to PlebLab for a little bit. The end. They literally sponsored me for a minute, and it was just totally out of the kindness of their heart because they just liked what I was doing. Because there was, they were not going to see any financial benefit to this in any capacity. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> they life, were not going to see any financial benefit, yeah. at least not in the short term. Maybe like if I keep doing this and I get more attention and you know more people catch on to what I'm saying and what you know whatnot, and I'm doing something of historical significance, maybe that'll change. But at the time that they were giving me money, they were doing this out of kindness. It was, yeah. it was like literally literal charity, and I was just you know so there's always like, love for that company. For yeah, Blood Lab. I know, and they're they're great over there. So if you guys are like just like kind of getting into Bitcoin and you don't really know what the hell you're doing or going on, like I I mean I'm not just saying this because they're my sponsor. They're like legitimately legitimately very helpful. And I know like I've talked to you like on the phone because I'm in Tampa like normally full time. You have some questions and you're like I kind of explained it a little bit over the phone, but you're like oh, I'll just go into Pleb Lab and they'll help me out. They, yeah, well I'll, with my, my cold card and um, it wasn't the Pleb Lab person that helped me, but there was another guy who goes to the the, the dinners at Meteor. This guy okay. Matt M Don on Telegram was really cool about it. And yeah, so, and then you yeah, had, had uh, a cold card set up, so I'm pumped about that. Yeah. Well, then and and then you told me Topher helped you out with your Nostra account. He too, did. Right? Yes, yeah. Topher helped me with my Nostra account. So yeah, this is like such a a great place. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of is, shit going on here that's like absolutely awesome. Well, like a lot of you know. I think generally speaking, when when you want to um having a supportive environment where people want to help you and they love building things is, is a good way to um, create a thriving economy in general. Yeah. And if you have an entire culture of people that are genuinely trying to build everybody up in the room, because you go to certain offices, even if it's like a Starbucks space, everyone's having a dick measuring contest. It doesn't feel like that at Pleblo. It feels like everyone just wants everybody to succeed there. Yeah. And when you're in a place like that, people just start succeeding and, and you see a lot of really cool things that start coming out. A hundred percent. Like, dude, yeah. Carr went on the, 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 what, Peter McCormick's podcast? Yeah, he went on What Bitcoin I, Did. Crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, he got the hookup from Odell because Odell, like, I mean, so I don't know if you guys know, like, I don't know if you know Carr's kind of history, but he, like, helped Marty and Odell kind of early on in TFTC, which is, like, another podcast. And so he was, like, kind of the producer with that. Then he opened up Pleb Lab with Kyle and Odell obviously is in Nashville, but he came into town and supposedly like Odell was like um, Peter McCormick came into town in order to like get Odell to kind of uh, get on his podcast or whatever. And Peter McCormick does this thing where he comes into a city and then he records like 10 podcasts in a week or something. And then he produces them all. I want to go on what Bitcoin did. I mean, me too, dude. So That'd Peter, cool. Peter, if you're watching this, dude, uh, hook, hook your boy up. But anyway, It'll like uh, the time. It'll happen when the yeah, I hope so. Supposed to happen. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so Odell like kind of made the introduction, and Carr went and uh, went on his pod. Yeah, so I hope it's like really benefits Pleb Lab because yeah, they're like building great stuff. But it's like also you know it's like a bear market. It's a grind. Um, you got to get people to help support and stuff too. And it's like you know it's an accelerator that's in downtown Austin, Texas which is not cheap to have an office building and an office space. And then you have a bunch of people who are basically trying to bootstrap themselves and like find a way to make it into a Bitcoin company where Bitcoin industry is very young. There's a lot of startups that are coming up but are like failing or like are trying to look for money and they can't really find money now because money's tighter because the Fed keeps raising interest rates. So I mean like it's definitely not an easy environment to do what Pleblob's doing right now. But I think, um, you know, as things are kind of going on, they're getting a lot of momentum, dude. If you succeed now, you're going to really be good in the next bull market. Well, I think that you're going to be really good. And then they, I, I'm pretty impressed. Like they're super helpful. That guy, Nick Thiel helped me out with, um, 
get he helped me out too with my ledger because I was like I had an issue with my um well I, I got another computer eventually yeah right but um no I actually did get another computer I had to get another computer anyway and I um had to get my ledger uh there was an issue with my ledger because like the balance that it read in an old computer was different than the balance it read in a new computer and he like just helped me kind of like re set up my ledger so I because I was I thought I was like I lost some Bitcoin or I thought that like. They were like some of my, my. I thought my ledger got hacked because it had a about the balance on my old computer was different from the balance on my new computer, but he told me that it was just because the um. It just didn't read like the the compute like the ledger just misread your transaction because we went through every single transaction. He's like, no, dude, you're good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had something. And that's similar. cool. Like the fact that he did that, you know, yeah. the fact the fact that he did that and helped me, um, set up my like set up my ledger up before I got like unchained. That's cool, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're all super helpful. I had some, kind of some similar issues with my ledger too, so I don't know. It's always been like it was it was kind of weird cuz like they always require you to like I mean, I had to like I had to sell some bitcoin cuz something happened with my car. And uh I don't know, when I was trying to transfer it from like cold storage to like Cash App so I could get it into like my bank account to pay for whatever it was with my car. It like it like made air. It like said it left my Bitcoin wallet, and then it just didn't come back. And I was like, "This is kind of like I don't know. It's kind of fucked up." But I went through some underground way, and it took me a while to figure it out myself. But I mean, luckily I was able to like recover that. But like it was kind of scary. Like I thought I almost lost like ten million sats just like from like transferring because of Ledger. Like I thought like you know how Ledger had that like breakdown where it was like the firmware. Um, required I haven't updated ha- anything since then because I have a little bit on Ledger, but like I haven't updated anything on, on Ledger. Yeah, I know. That's ever, what- ever since then, I was like, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of good with, with where it's at. And like, once Bitcoin gets to a certain price, I'm probably gonna fiat out of that. I'm gonna take whatever's off the Ledger. Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to do. But I wanted to, like, I needed to sell some, and then I, they're like, you need to update it in order to sell or to move it, basically. Okay, fine. Then update it and never use it again. What's the problem? Yeah, I know. That's what I did. That's what I did eventually, but at first it was like I was. I don't want to update it until I have to. Until the only time I'm gonna update something like that, in my opinion, is just if I have to move. Yeah, I know. If I have to move it. And right. that was the thing is I had it in cold storage for so long I needed to do like three or four updates, so it was kind of annoying. But that's annoying. Yeah. Well, good, the good thing about Unchained is they do key checks, so you have to keep updating. Yeah. Or you could go on your computer and it'll tell you to update. You don't have to plug the ledger, and if you just click on the at, on the button, it'll still tell you to update. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's a good, like the good and the bad thing about Bitcoin now is like, there's like a lot of like complicated things that you have to like take responsibility about, but that's like also, you know, the part of it, right. It's the personal responsibility. It's not like you can kind of just put your money in a bank account and then just forget about it. Like you have to, like, it's good to kind of check on it. Cause like, I mean, I could go on my app. Dude, it's kind of scary though. Like it, it, it is scary when you, yeah. it is oh, like actually 100%. scary. Well, I mean, that's what I think intimidates a lot of people to get into cold storage. Cause like, <laughs> I mean, that's what intimidated my parents. Is like, wait, if I forget this, it's even scarier to have it on an exchange because there's no um, FDIC or anything with the stuff. Yeah, but people don't realize that when when you first buy it on an exchange. Yeah, and then once a couple of exchanges collapse, nobody wants to trust Bitcoin anymore, just like FTX. And then, and then either a people just choose the CBDC, they choose the World Coin to get their eyeball scanned, or um, BlackRock buys up all the Bitcoin, and then then these big financial asset managers have even more of a monopoly on your day to day life. So it's something that. You know, you just kind of have to do. Or if you understand why this thing is valuable, you don't want it on an exchange. The only, yeah. the only stuff you want on an exchange is stuff that you're trying to sell because you got to improve your life. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, it's like, that's like 100% nailing it on the head, right? I mean, I mean, but like, I don't know, the arguments about Bitcoin, I, I was talking about this all in the conference too. It's like the arguments about Bitcoin being manipulated is such like a farce because like people don't realize like 90% of the like investable assets is owned by like 10% of people or something or like... I don't know, something like crazy like that. Like BlackRock owns like basically like BlackRock and Vanguard essentially own like 90% of the stock market and like real estate. As yeah, it and stands. they don't own 90% of the Bitcoin. So it's one of those things where it's like you really worry about market manipulation. Yeah, Maybe why are you buying? Why are you stocking up on Apple shares? Yeah, it's yeah. kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy when you think. Yeah, about but it. I mean, are you worried about the BlackRock, like the Bitcoin ETF? Because I'm low key, I'm like kind of worried about that because like that's how like a lot of normies are going to get into it, whether it's like retirement money. Like, I mean, think about it, like 401ks, pension plans, like all those kind of things, they're going to need some sort of, I guess, way to invest in Bitcoin if they want to, right? What, and I mean, so, like, hold uh, up, what is a Bitcoin ETF? What is going to be in the Bitcoin ETF? 
Or, so wait, like, start off. Start, let, let's backtrack. Okay. Um, for those of us who wear a mask alone in their car, what is an ETF? So an ETF is just like an exchange, or is it is exchange traded fund? fund yeah. yeah. So it's essentially like, uh, usually it's like a basket of stocks or something like that. That's related so, to a sector. Yeah, that's related to a sector. So you could get an ETF of, well, like the big, the most well-known ones are like basically S&P 500 and like the NASDAQ. That's so, an ETF. You can yeah. also get like ARC, like the ARC funds. Yeah, you could also get the ARC funds. You could also get them on oil and gas. You can get them on pharmaceuticals. Tech, you pharmaceuticals. Can on you can do electric like, vehicles. You can get them on everything. Yeah. yeah, essentially, there's like, and I mean, like, there's people that have like the reverse Kramer ETF. So like Jim Kramer. Could you actually buy like that at on TD Ameritrade? Yeah, there's like there's like a well, as long as like a hedge fund wants to put on an ETF, they just have to get it approved. So they could call it whatever they so hell they the want. So has the SEC actually approved an inverse Kramer? Yeah, <laughs> they, I, I the interviewed. SEC approved this. I have a guy that, but I, they won't approve a Bitcoin ETF, but they will approve an inverse Kramer meme. Yeah, ETF. I had a guy on my podcast who works You're at a hedge a fund who show. who has that ETF. Yeah, so he manages that. I think he like I don't know. I think I recently saw him tweet about like he's like taking it down or something because it hasn't been doing well. But like, well, yeah, of course it hasn't because once once everything once once these things get popular is when it's time to sell. Anytime yeah. an asset becomes popularized in the mainstream, that's when you get rid of the asset. Yeah, and I mean like I've had guys on my sh like there's popular guys on Twitter like George Noble. He basically made his his name being really famous on um, on Twitter, basically going on Spaces, saying how like all these tech, like Tesla, basically he's like the big short Tesla guy on Twitter, and he would have all these Spaces, all these people come on. So he started an ETF of like basically shorting all of Kathy Wood's stocks, essentially. And ever since it's opened, it was down like eighty percent because it's just gotten like since he opened it, like tech has been doing pretty well this year actually. And so uh, I saw like the fund isn't even the ETF isn't even open for a full year and he's already shutting it down because of how much it's getting absolutely fucking shit housed. But anyway, a ETF regardless is about like, you know, a bunch of basket of goods and like anybody that has, I, I believe, some sort of like license where you can manage people's money. You can uh, you can create one of these things. So BlackRock's creating an ETF that essentially you could they would hold bitcoin for you but the interesting part of what this whole like filing has said is that blackrock could essentially define what bitcoin is so what yeah so essentially they could say like hey you know blackrock's a major holder of bitcoin well they want to make a fork in the bitcoin co code and they want to make bitcoin like a bitcoin cash for example or something else where it's like it's not exactly bitcoin but because they're putting so much you know normies are putting so much money into it they don't really know exactly that they're getting you know bitcoin as it is right from like the direct blockchain they know that bitcoin you know they're getting it as an etf which you know it's it's regulated by the sec so theoretically as long as blackrock says they're buying you know one bitcoin for you or whatever it is they should be doing that but, but okay hold on a second okay so if blackrock's buying a bitcoin for you are you going to be able to have the option to move the bitcoin to cold no, storage never not not as an etf because like as an ETF, right? So think about it. So on 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 Cash App as it stands right now, I can move Bitcoin back and forth. You yes. can move Bitcoin back and forth. You can even move stocks back and forth on Cash App. So if you buy an Apple stock and you're like, hey, I don't really like that my stocks on Cash App. I want to move it to Robinhood. I want to move it to my Charles Schwab investing account. You can do that. You can I do that. I know that. That's actually really cool. You can do that on Cash App, which I think is honestly one of the cooler like that underrated really cool. underrated would, features that, that Cash App has. That actually is one of the cool. I, that is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, so that's why I tell people, I mean, I don't know. I'm not sponsored by them or anything. I don't earn anything from it. I but like I Cash think, App as a company a lot. Yeah, I think, like, what they're doing is, like, very is like almost, like, brilliant. It's, like, I put, if I don't you put don't my Venmo like, QR code. I put my Bitcoin QR code and my Cash App QR code next yeah. to me. And they're, like, oh, people will ask if I have Venmo. I say, oh, yeah, I do have Venmo. Just There's just not enough space for the QR codes, but I'll, here's my Venmo. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I would I would probably do the same thing because I'd rather do it on Cash App. Cash App is people. It's such an underutilized. Company. Yeah, I mean, it's like the UI and all everything, and like the like the utilization of like being able to move things on and off of it. I think that just like proves how much they feel uh, like strongly about their product because they're like, all right, if you don't like our user interface, you don't like what we're doing, you can leave. So, so with this BlackRock ETF, right? Yeah. They could define anything as being a Bitcoin. So they could they could define stable coins as being Bitcoin theoretically. Like they could theoretically, say, hey, we're buying yeah. like we're gonna buy ten Bitcoin, 
but really they buy like three Bitcoin, um, a hundred Bitcoin, ca- hundred Bitcoin caches, yeah, and then they will buy, um, then they'll put the rest in USDC or Tether, yeah, as an insurance policy. Okay, so then well, let's back really, up a second. So, so because it hasn't gotten approved yet. If that does, yeah. as it stands, that's what would happen. Yes. What would that do to the price? So I mean, it's like it's 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 and like and, and, and also sorry if I'm interrupting you. No. What would it do? It's not like it's going to change the code or anything like that or any. No, or, I mean it, you can't. Yeah, Bitcoin's still Bitcoin. Like it, the you know BlackRock isn't you know running all the, enough nodes to be able to uh, change the code anyway. They'll never be able to yeah. do that, right? So I Bitcoin's mean, still going to be Bitcoin. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's like basically like why like in my eyes, it's like why would you pay a premium? Like it's like why would you pay? I don't know. They're probably going to take one percent, maybe twenty five basis points, something along those lines, every time you buy this ETF. Right, whatever they price it at, and so like, why would you buy this much, or why would you buy it at a premium to have somebody hold it for you where you can't ha- have access to your actual Bitcoin? The only reasoning I could see behind it is like, okay, maybe in wherever you're at, there's not accessibility to Bitcoin in whatever kind of fund you're doing, whether it's pension funds, whether it's retirement funds, those kind of things. That's the only argument I can see for it, and then like basically you know, uh, family offices or like hedge funds, like they're going to be, the big guys are going to be the ones putting their money into it because, you know, essentially, theoretically, like a black rock has to go under and they have to like, you know, be regulated by the SEC. So those regulations would check that they're buying Bitcoin, but I don't think the SEC is as sophisticated enough in order to check. Well, Gary Gensler, he gets a lot of hate, but he, is pretty knowledgeable about that. Yeah, type. but you he think did teach a class on this? No, hundred percent. But do you think Gary Gensler is going to go and check BlackRock's wallet to make sure that that like every no, quarter? No, he's kind of like a snake oil. He's kind of like a snake oil salesman. Yeah, a little bit. He's he's a little sleazy and like yeah. weasel like, you know. Yeah. Um. But I can so, like. But like. Wh- so the gold ETF. What yeah. is in the gold ETF? Because it's not just physical gold. No, it's also I believe it's like also mining like gold, stocks, gold and miners. Um, and but I mean it depends what gold ETF you look at, right? Spider I mean, gold. Yeah. So, so spider gold, like what's in the spider gold ETF? It's like gold, gold miners, gold miners, and then I think like um, I don't want to say it's not just gold. I want to say like uh, maybe some other like precious metal dealers too are in that in okay. that ETF. So then a Bitcoin ETF, I, I was thinking would just have like. Physical Bitcoin, Riot Blockchain, MicroStrategy, and then they put Coinbase in the ETF also. I don't think that they're going to do that. I think that they're just going to do it as like, because it's a spot ETF. So the spot ETF is a little bit different than an actual ETF where like- an gold ETF is not a spot ETF. No. Okay. But a gold spot ETF would basically be like an exchange traded fund that's based on the gold spot price, which is essentially the exchange rate between gold and US dollars. So the same thing would be for Bitcoin, right? It would be a spot ETF, which- is a good big delineation because like so you're you said buying paper bitcoin theoretically yes or theoretically no because the sec has to regulate that so the sec has to make sure that that um what's its name it that blackrock is uh actually buying that gold or buying that bitcoin and, and but i mean there's like them to do you know and we totally trust them to act in the interest um of their of, 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 of what's correct and morally ethical yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. so that's why i'm saying like don't buy don't buy the blackrock etf obviously not financial advice but not financial advice but i would say like if you're gonna get into bitcoin like why wouldn't you just buy it on something like unchained or buy it on something like cash app or something like that where you you could directly move it into cold storage if you want because that's like the basically the big benefit of bitcoin and that's like you know why i think like that's why you know you and i believe in bitcoin is because like nobody else can kind of take control of that it, it, it's also a lot it's also a lot harder to manipulate the price if blackrock makes an etf um compared to like gold the, the price manipulation of gold because you can audit all of the blocks yeah. there's no way that you can audit the amount of gold that is in a central bank vault but you can just literally go on a computer and audit the blocks and how everything is moving. So you'd be able to see if um, price manipulation were taking place a lot more easy. And you also have a free and open internet and you have a lot, and you have a lot of really smart people in the Bitcoin space that can catch on to bullshit very fast. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you would be able to like, I mean, the, the one caveat with this is you would need to know BlackRock's wallet and like it, if, if BlackRock was smart, they wouldn't keep all of their, eggs in one wallet basically all their bitcoin in one wallet i don't know how they're gonna do it you know i don't well i've been hearing stories about 
there's a wallet that's been quietly accumulating three billion dollars worth of Bitcoin. Yeah, that is like true. That. that is true. But I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll see how that ends up turning out. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't think that's BlackRock though either. I think BlackRock already has Bitcoin, and they just don't want to like talk about it. And they're like, because I mean, like let's let's face it, right? I'm in Tampa. Yeah. Like within the past year, BlackRock has been scooping up a lot of commercial real estate in downtown Tampa, and like that's not a secret. Like they've been, they have like BlackRock construction trucks. Like Bill Gates just bought up a full street in downtown Tampa called Water Street, and he basically like him he bought it up with another partner, and then that other partner just dropped off. So now Bill Gates owns this basically street full of nice like luxurious restaurants and and uh, apartment complexes all Wait, in downtown. So all of all the small businesses, all the restaurants that you think are small businesses are just owned by Bill Gates now. Well. I think they're owned by people, but who owns the building is Bill Gates. Oh, so God. he can control who goes in and out of those buildings or, or in, in and out of those storefronts, right? It's gross. I mean, yeah, I it, like it's he doesn't like there's not a steakhouse down there. You can't get oysters. You can't get some good food, but there's like Mediterranean. Se- there's a lot of seafood you're places. You're going to have gourmet crickets popping up. Yeah, I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Who knows, dude? Who knows? I mean, it's like one of those things like you have I to mean, put mRNA vaccines in the dinner in order to even be able to rent the space. Maybe, dude. I mean, like that's the scary part is like, you know, we're we're talking about all these things and it's like BlackRock, Vanguard, all these companies, they're scooping up a bunch of shit, dude. And like, you know, they're if they have so much fucking money that, you know, the amount of Bitcoin that's on there, that's on exchanges right now, they could theoretically, if they wanted to, like scoop all that up at a snap of a finger. Yeah, but they wouldn't want to do it in one purchase because then... No, I mean, that's kind of... I think that's illegal. Like, I wouldn't think they would be able to... Like, MicroStrategy, when they announce their buys, they do it over time. They can't just, like... When MicroStrategy is like, hey, we just bought, like, 10,000 more Bitcoin. It doesn't mean they bought it yesterday. It means that they were buying it over a certain time. Yeah, like, they were buying it basically over the past quarter. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about Elon Musk selling his Bitcoin? What do you think that does for the asset? I mean, I don't really think that does anything for it, to be honest. Like, I don't think, like... Like, Elon with, like, Tesla and all that stuff. I mean, I think he's an idiot when it comes to, like, saying, like, Doge is an option for Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it now. Um, But, like, I think, you know, some people look at Elon and, like, think, okay, Elon's very smart and intelligent. I think he is very intelligent, too, and I think he's just saying things about selling Bitcoin. But sometimes you need to sell Bitcoin to, like, I don't know, to pay your bills or whatever. And, like, I think X— It could also just be Tesla's Bitcoin holdings— and this could just be a way cause to, to sell something at a loss for taxes. And that's yeah. what Michael Saylor said, and that's what I think it is. Yeah, and I probably, probably. I mean, I Because you I know be- Elon Musk still owns Bitcoin. Yeah. Just because Tesla um, sold their Bitcoin doesn't mean that Elon Musk doesn't have Bitcoin. Well, I mean, all right, let's think about how Tesla operates, right? Tesla, basically, they get funded almost primarily through their like carbon credits that they get granted from the government. So even though the government hates Tesla and the green energy stuff, like because they're, they produce electric vehicles, the government pay like subsidizes a lot of Tesla. And so they get a lot of tax benefits because they create these electric vehicles. And if they needed to, to sell Bitcoin at a loss, that's another brilliant way to get, get away from paying taxes. And, you know, Elon pays a lot of taxes as a, Individual. As, as an individual, but I I would assume as a business they don't pay as much taxes as probably the, as they you know as they they could be because of like like what I just lined out the electric vehicle taxes and benefits and like I mean they were here in Austin but there's rumors that they're going to go back to California because it's more beneficial to have a plant producing electric vehicles in California than it is here because everybody has to use the electric yeah because of who the governor is and all that yeah stuff. exactly that because yeah. of the policies makes sense and so like okay it's more expensive for the employees but you know at the end of the day employees are expendable I, th- I think when you start looking at things from a uh, from a numbers perspective, right, and you just try to like methodically break down why is this happening instead of acting emotionally, you know, or thinking emotionally, it gives you a much clearer picture as to why things are happening. A hundred percent. And I mean, it's just like it's like if you sit back and like really like think about the the money situation, right? I mean, there's like two percent inflation, and that compounds year over year over year. So it's two percent. Um, well, they, like, they tell you it's two percent. Yeah. So they now tell they're you- going to try to tell now they're going to try to condition us to think that three percent is acceptable yeah so they but can okay put a so pause on everything but still like two percent all right so say since 2000 
right? Do you think like every year it's like 2%, all right, then two times two, it's 4%, then it's two times four, then it's 8%. Like, do you think like since 2000 that you've gotten that much exponentially more efficient when it comes to everything? Do you think like it's actually possible for us to farm food like there's a reason why like the food's fucked up there's a reason why like you know everything is like is changing and getting less and less quality is because we don't necessarily get exponentially better when it comes to a lot of this you know efficiency of buildings food like all this kind of stuff like it gets to a certain point where growth stagnates but the money is still going exponentially and uh, growing exponentially and getting more and more like the money is more inflated and devaluing at an exponential rate. And I, so, I mean, it's just like over time, that's just, just going to keep I happening. tell a lot of people that um, currency debasement and cultural degradation go hand in hand with one another. And I mean, it's true. Like, look, look, look around. Right. I mean, the big cities like America is a big melting pot. But what do they like kind of encourage you to do, like right they want everybody to be accepted but like you know and everything that you say now is like racist but like all right like if you like well, there, people, there's, there's another reason for that too well yeah but i mean like all right when, when, you, when you're a whitney webster this on natalie brunell's podcast and that when you're a company in 34 trillion dollars worth of debt um with no way to ever pay it back the only way that the ruling elite and the powerful can ever continue their hold on power is to make the public fight with each other and in order to do that you have to spark as much civil unrest as possible so that when everything when all the chaos and bloodshed ends a you're immune uh b your subjects take it out on each other and c you come out of it stronger and exude exert even more control over them yeah and you're seeing that with the cbdc's and the infrastructure being laid out yeah but i mean they're like killing like culture too like you don't right? care these people have no culture these, these are soulless demons yeah for lack of a better word you know like no, these are these are people who fuck little kids on jeffrey epstein's island yeah. Um, and I'm saying this because nobody knows who's on that client list. So as, as far as I'm concerned, anybody that's giving me public health advice, anybody that wants me to lower my carbon footprint, anybody that has a Ukrainian flag up that, that's a government official or a bureaucrat, um, anybody who thinks uh, you know, five-year-old kids should be taking puberty blockers, yo, you fuck kids. That, that, that's what I think. Like, yeah. You went to Jeffrey Epstein's island and fucked a bunch of little kids on that airplane. Well, I mean, do you that's, see that's, what I, that's what I think. Have you seen the body types the of the health, health officials too? They all look like fucking Jabba the Hutt. They do. I know. I it's mean, it's crazy. Like, like, all right, I'm going to take health advice from this fat slob. All right, dude. Like, I'm not going to listen to somebody like you or I who's, like, actually in shape and, like, you know, because, like, oh, we eat red meat and, like, that's bad for your arteries and stuff like that. I mean, like, the proof is um, in the pudding. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of insane, right? But you know what they're doing to um, offset that? They're just normalizing. They're normalizing and glorifying yeah, being overweight. Of course, the body. That's why the body positive movement is is um, really ramping. It's ramping up like crazy because um, they want you. Those public health officials, um, they are there because they actually are models for what the people in power want you to look at, yeah. look like. I they know. are literally there because they are. They're not there to help you with public health. Everybody knows that, right? They are there because they are actually models for what they want you to look like. Because when you look like that, when you're on a cocktail of pharmaceutical medications, when you're like eating garbage processed mystery meat, you know, when you, well, that gets when you, when you hopped you, up on uh, that gets you hopped up on all the pharmaceuticals, right? Because yes. then, then you, you get so you're fat. easier to control. You yeah. become easier to control and uh, you're more likely to move into the 15 minute city and get your eyeball scanned for world coins so that you can eat your cricket burger. Yeah. And, and not I mean, starve. You get fat, you need to get on fat, like fat burners or whatever, another pharmaceutical, right? Yeah. You, you get fat, you get depressed because, you know, we all know that exercise like helps like l release some of those endorphins, but people don't like, hey, I want to be lazy. Well, okay, now I'm depressed. Let me get on this. Oh, well, when you're fat, you're more tired. I can't focus because I'm tired. All right, here's more Adderall. Like, I mean, it's all just like connection. And then it's like, all right, well, we Adderall need vaccine passports to protect the most vulnerable. Oh, look at that. All the things that we recommend you doing made you into the most vulnerable. Yeah. Cool. Scan your scan your forearm uh, to go buy to go buy food at the grocery store to make sure that you're up to date on your vaccines. Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's like you need to actually like you need to show your vaccine card in order to go eat to go to grocery store. And it's fucked up. Hey, babe, I'm doing a podcast, you all right? This episode is brought to you by Balcones Roofing and Remodeling. Have you been leaving your house outside again? Texas weather can wreak havoc on your home, especially your roof. And if you haven't had it inspected lately, chances are that outside elements could be making their way inside. 
Trust Balcones Roofing and Remodeling to perform a thorough roof inspection and offer long-lasting solutions. They are the only five-star rated roofer in Austin who specialize in installing the impact-resistant F-Wave Revia and back all roof replacements with a $20,000 guarantee. To schedule a roof inspection, call 512-937-8805 or visit balconesroofsaustin.com. Love you. Bye. All right. Anyway, she it's, it's a it's a um it's a staple. My girlfriend always calls me every time we do these episodes. Oh yeah, it's good. I'm in a loving, happy relationship. It's a good thing. Shout out to Alex's girlfriend. Shout out to Vanessa. Shout, Shout out, out Vanessa. Vanessa. I was on Revenge of the Sis earlier yesterday, and I was I told her I was gonna bring her up, and I never did because we were talking about basically this. <laughs> uh, so now she gets shouted out on this podcast on the Shout out tricycle. Vanessa. Shout out Vanessa. I wouldn't be doing any of this if you weren't here by my side, supporting me. Had a girl. Yeah. The couple that gets woke together stays together. Yeah. She's she on the reason she never got that the the death jab. So really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was good like, for you. I, I said we're not we're not getting the depopulation shot, babe. This isn't happening. Yeah. I know. And well, I mean, like, I don't know. I know, so, like, it's funny because, like, I mean, I'm in Florida, so, like, nobody got that shit. But, ma- yeah, majority of people that I hang around with in my circle did not get the jab. So, you know, but it's it's crazy. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. Is like, because I, I grew up here, like I said, um, and a lot of the people that I know from here have the jab and they think I'm, they call me anti vax and all that kind of stuff. Are they still your friends? No. What? They, don't <laughs> they talk stop to talking to me because yeah. You well, no. So like, I last time I came out here. So I'll tell you a little story. Last time I was here in town, um, I went out with one of my college buddies and a buddy of mine that I know. Well, I guess we're not buddies anymore, but a friend of or a former friend of mine who I went to elementary school, middle school, high school with me, and he was at uh, college while I was in grad school with me. Uh, does not talk to me anymore because I'm Republican and I didn't get the jab. Are you really and, a Republican or are you just not voting for the, the fucking senile kid well, I guy? mean, you the, have... The senile, the senile old man who sniffs little kids who can't I mean, walk up and down the stairs you got two options. As falling on his ice cream cone. Yeah. yeah, you got two options now. So, you I mean... Yeah, 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 I'm yeah. not with Biden. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, okay. no worries. But anyway, like, I didn't get the jab. He got a degree in history. I have my undergrad degree in biomedical engineering and a master's in mechanical. And I did human testing research in college where I basically would test people's like it wasn't like I was jabbing or injecting people I would test them like I wanted to do sports analysis so in order to test somebody throwing a football which they do every single day as a quarterback it took me nine months to a year to get that study approved in order to analyze people walking 10 steps this way turning around and walking 10 steps that way it got me nine it took me nine months to get that approved and so when I saw the jab got approved within like four months or whatever it was I'm like I'm not getting that because I know the process of how to go through all this stuff. And this got approved way too quickly in in order for me to feel comfortable. And this guy who's got a history major was like, dude, you're a fucking idiot. You don't believe in science. I'm like, what do you mean I don't believe in science? Like I have a master's of science degree. Like this is, you know, what I went to school for to like analyze. And then they just like think because a presidential candidate who didn't do any of this stuff, a lifelong politician told them to do that. They're going to do that. And that's what the the craziest thing was. So last time I was in town, they I was showing up to a bar with a bunch of like, you know, my college buddies and former high school buddies. And so the ones that thought I'm anti-vax left before I got there because what? they heard like, I was oh, coming. Brand is co- yeah. This is in Texas. It's in, Austin. Austin, in, where we're at right wait, now. You went to school though in Round Rock though or Cedar Park or Leander? No, I went to Vandegrift High School. Okay, First, kind of like... It's almost in Cedar Park. Or, yeah, so yeah. I went to Cedar Park my freshman year, and then I was a like, first graduating class of Vandergriff. Oh, wow, okay. So Vandergriff High School, stand up. Go yeah. Vipers. all right. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, there was that. And then, too, another situation. At that same bar, we ran into a group of girls that a, my friend of mine knew. And so, you know, in Florida, uh, my name is Brandon. So I introduced myself. Hey, my name is Brandon. Like, let's go as a joke. <laughs> You know, so it usually gets a little little chuckle Let's here go, or there. Yeah. And uh, people remember my name that way. So I go out to a bar, and uh, we meet a group of girls that my, some of my friends know. And it's a group of three of them. So I'm talking to this one girl for a while, like 30, 45 minutes. She's like, oh, like everybody went inside. Like, let's go inside. So I'm like, okay. So she introduced me to one of her friends who's there. And she's like, uh, 
she's like, hey, this is Brandon. He's Republican. That's how she introduces me. What? Yeah, and so I'm like, okay, this is kind of weird. So this girl- Were you hitting it off with her well before then? Yeah, and she, and she knew I was Republican, and she was obviously she she wasn't because she like said, made that comment. But I was talking to her for like 30, 45 minutes, perfectly fine conversation Are with this girl. Are politics or just anything? Nothing. Nothing and regarded just, to politics. And, and she just said out of nowhere he's Republican out of nowhere. Yeah, when she introduced me to her friends. And so then her friend was like literally first question she asked me, What's your view on abortion? With at and we're at twelve o'clock, and I'm like four or five Tito's and sodas deep, and a couple beers in. So I'm not I'm not sober by any means, and I'm like I don't want to have this conversation right, with that's you. That's a good response. No, the answer is no. Yeah, no politics. That that's the answer. I'm like I don't want to have this conversation with you. Like I'm le- I have a flight literally at six a.m. tomorrow morning. I'm probably too drunk that I I shouldn't be like drinking this much. Like let's not talk about politics. And at you know a bar. That if you try to like actually say hey listen I don't want to talk about this. Uh, I just don't want to spend billions of dollars in a proxy war in Ukraine. Yeah. They, 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 they will just start screaming at you because they want you to sit, talk about abortion. Well, and they will just scream and well, yell and say, that. yeah, and that's what will happen. That, well, that's where this story goes. Is she like, she's like, no, no, no. Like, you have to tell me. You have to tell me. And I'm like, well, what do you think? Like, I'm wearing a cross right now. And you just, she, your friend just told you I'm Republican. So what do you think my answer is going to be? And you're going to point me into a corner. And I'm not going to like that you're going to point me into a corner. I think it's like a, you guys are wanting a black and white response. And it's great. And I don't want to have this conversation at a bar. She starts bawling, crying, bawling, like in the middle of this bar, like you're the devil, like telling me all this stuff. And I'm like, look, like I'm not trying to cause any trouble here. Like you guys are friends of friends. Like I'm just trying to be here. Like I, and then they look at you like you start problems at these bars because somebody else freaks out at you because you didn't want to get a shot. Yeah. And I I hit up like, I'm not causing a problem. I'm trying to drink a beer and enjoy myself. Yeah. Yeah. And then I hit up my college buddy and I was like, Hey dude, I'm coming back in town who like knew these girls and that he ignored my text. So I don't know if he's mad at me because of that too. But anyway, I, I like this girl walks away and I'm like, okay, like whatever, like, you know, I felt bad about it. And then her friend who I was talking to, I'm like, look, like, you don't think I'm a bad person, right? Like, I I didn't want to have this conversation. And she just kind of came at me. She's like, look, like, you know, you could have said things a little bit different, whatever. I'm like, okay, like, whatever. And she's like, hey, if you apologize, I think it'll go a long way. Yeah, and like, just do that. Did you? No, so I went up and I'm like, all right, you know what? I'll go apologize. Like, it's not a big deal. Well, you, you really wanted to fuck this chick, didn't you? No, I just wanted, <laughs> you I, wanted just, to I just didn't want to, I didn't want to cause any problems. I would have banged this chick too, probably, if, if like this didn't happen. But anyway, I was like, uh, you know, I went up and I apologized to their friend, and she's like, I don't accept your apology. I think you're the worst kind of person, and I hope you rot in hell. I'm like, all right. And so I looked at her friend. And I said, okay, like I told you this was going to happen. I've had this interaction, you know, like played out before in other cities that are not Austin, Texas, which I thought was like a little bit more of a safer place. But, you know, here we are. It also depends on where you're at. I play my rap songs for like 90% of my customers and they all like it. Yeah. I mean, like I was on like what, what West 6th Street. So this girl was from California, the one that was crying. So Of course she was. And does she live in Austin now? Yeah, of course. She probably shouldn't. Yeah, of course. I mean, they all like, but like, I don't know. I also like when I go hang out with the Bitcoin crowd and a lot of them are like from California, I like always make a comment like, oh, another California in Austin. And they're like, that's a misnomer. Like majority of people that move from California do vote Republican. That, like, well, that is actually true now. Yeah. That actually is true. Yeah. That in 2019 or 18, no, after COVID, that is actually, your friends are correct. Yeah. So, and I mean, that's the type of people I meet in the meet in the Bitcoin space. So when I'm like hanging around with just the Bitcoiners, I don't run with, into any of those issues where it's like we have to, it's like they want us, they want to bait you. You know what I'm saying? Like they want to bait you and they want to talk about this stuff. And I'm like, I don't know how your experience was, but I feel like in you now when I was in college and when I was in grad I didn't, school, I didn't have like, any political state. I didn't have I didn't have a political stance on anything. I just want I just got blackout drunk and exactly thought I was cleaning up, but instead was taking out the trash. But that's another story. But yeah, that's for another day. I just, yeah, but I, I mean, felt but, very I felt very disconnected. Like I didn't have any purpose when I was in school, and I only started to feel like I had a sense of purpose coming to Austin well, and driving this tricycle and doing all this other stuff. So well, I mean, it's also like to to me, it's like all right, well. You could have a conversation with somebody and not know their political stance and like it'd be perfectly normal to have like a and it'd be perfectly normal to not know somebody's political stance within the first five to ten times meeting and hanging out with them. And then only after you kind of get to know them and then it's like, all right, well, maybe you believe something. Brandon, most people's stances are actually a lot more similar than the media makes it out to be. Yeah. The only thing different is who they vote for. Yeah. Like if you talk to most people on the street, hey, do you think people should have to show a, a, a 
QR code or their vaccine status to go to the grocery store, I guarantee you 90% of the people that you speak to on the street would say, no, that's a terrible idea. You know, or like, hey, do you think parents, do you think uh, kids should be taken away from their parents if the parent doesn't want to give them puberty blockers? Well, I mean, it's like- You know, like most people, no matter where they stand, um, are going to say, no, that's an, ins- that's an insane idea. Do you think violent criminals should be let out of jail with no bond and then also given very light sentences in the name of um, equity and restorative justice? Do you think that that's a? Do you think that helps um, protect public safety and also uh, rehabilitate people? Most people, if you ask them in these really basic terms, are going to say no. That's a terrible idea. The difference um, lies in voting, and the reason that they vote this way is because they still aren't. A lot of people are still not fully aware or haven't fully grasped the fact that um, Democrat politicians are actively pushing this stuff that they disagree. That that is, you know, for by and large purposes, completely and utterly insane. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are still cognitively dissonant and don't really believe that that is a staple of a political party right now with, with how their leadership is. Yeah. That's, no, that's all true. it is. It doesn't mean that they like, it doesn't mean that people who vote Democrat like believe crazy shit. They just don't, they just haven't wrapped their head around the fact that their party believes this crazy shit. Yeah. No, that's fair. <laughs> and that, and that too, like the people that I, yeah, I, I talk to about that, uh, that are like on the democratic side of things. They like a lot of them just don't like the way Trump like approaches things. They think he's mean. Uh, who do you like? Very do, you li- do you like Trump or do you think there are better candidates? I mean, I was a DeSantis guy, but I, I've never seen anybody like kind of go. I like DeSantis better too, honestly. I, I don't care. I mean, I know. But I mean, his friends like his campaign has been like the most, uh, the most like worst run campaign I think I've seen in a while because like how, how successful Florida has been since 2020. It's been like the most successful state. You would think that because of you know the way that Florida is run and all that kind of stuff that all he had to do, he didn't really have to do much to prop himself up. It's like it was like kind of like a. You know, before the campaigning start, it was like, oh, it's going to be a two-person race between DeSantis and Trump. That was the narrative around the Republican Party. Well, now it's like DeSantis is, like, basically toast. Well, it's still early. You don't know that yet. Yeah, I think it's kind of, like— I didn't get that. Shut the fuck up. Uh, I think think it's pretty much—like, even the people in Florida that I, like, talk to that are, like, Republican and would vote Republican— are kind of getting out on DeSantis as like a presidential candidate. Why? But like, because look at like, well he manages Florida. All he has to do is literally say, "I will." Do you like how Florida was run? We're gonna do the same thing in the United States. Yeah, well, that's all ha- you have to do. Well, he hasn't done that. That's a problem. I well, I just think he's surrounding himself with bad people. Yeah, it's exactly. So figure figure that out. But I mean, if you look at just if you look at everything from just a results oriented standpoint. Yeah, I right. Mean, he he like, like best results. At best results. Okay. You hired somebody that was one of the America's frontline doctors to be in charge of public health, okay? Yeah. You hired somebody that was actually healthy. Trump not only didn't fire Fauci, but gave him a congressional medal after he created an untold amount of chaos and destruction and misery as a result of his policies. Yeah. All right? Um, what else? DeSantis likes Bitcoin and he's banning central bank. He, he signed legislation to ban central bank digital currencies. Yeah. Donald Trump when he first came out, started offering NFT trading cards to fund his campaign. Look, but all have right. Have you seen so, Donald Trump's crypto wallet? Yeah. Okay. But my, well, but hold on. Have you seen Donald Trump's crypto? wallet? No, I haven't. Will Clemente, wait, I'm sorry. I don't, Will yeah. Clemente tweeted this a while back. Yeah. That showed, um, Donald Trump's, I think like MetaMask or something wallet. Right. I forgot okay. the name of the wallet, but he showed some screenshot like of one of Donald Trump's crypto wallet. And it was like 80%. It was like, it was Ethereum. It was like 50 or 60% Ethereum, and the rest of it was just high-yield shit coins with absolutely no value. Do you trust that guy to um, stop CBDCs from happening? Do you trust that guy um, no. from, from, from protecting us against a cyber attack, which is one of the big possibilities of ushering in this new world order that none of us want? No, but here's here's where I'll say there's like something the the reason why like I don't think Trump has a good view on like Bitcoin or crypto or anything like that, but here's one thing that I'll say as like an American that I do like what Trump has said is Trump has said that he doesn't like Bitcoin because he thinks it's an attack on the US dollar and he's an American guy and he wants the US dollar to be strong. And in my personal opinion, I think in order for the Bitcoin to, I was actually just talking to somebody about that this today, is like in order, I think Bitcoin to succeed and like us to go to a Bitcoin standard, it needs to be a very slow process that happens over 
15, 20 years. That kind of like that's it. No, like a hundred years. Yeah. Well, okay. So all fiat currencies, on average, like fail after a hundred years, right? So think about it. Nineteen seventy-one. It's been at maybe even a little bit before that because that was when we officially got off the gold standard. But all right. So say fifty-two-ish years. So that means we have about forty-eight years left until like the U.S. dollar fails on average. But because we're printing more money, because we have more obstacles and more things like that, it's probably going to be accelerated. So maybe let's say 75 years so we have like 22 ish years left yeah no wait yeah 22 ish years left of the u.s dollars reign right so i would want a president who's going to do what he can to strengthen the u.s dollar to make sure that that dollar is not completely collapsing within the next 10 years whereas all, all these uh, and then, like, you know, another president kind of comes in down the line because I think there's going to be some sort of transition period before Bitcoin, uh, before we go to a Bitcoin standard. So I think, you know, we're going to have the U.S. dollar. Then maybe we have some sort of global reserve currency that's backed by something. I don't know what that's going to be, whether that's like, I don't know, backed by oil, real estate, gold, like maybe even backed by Bitcoin. But I don't think that'll be successful. But anyway, like these are some of the possibilities. Okay, hold on. What do you think that global reserve currency is going to be? Well, I would want it to be the dollar. But you said we're going to transition away from the dollar into another global reserve currency that's backed by something Yeah, else. and so that, that dollar would not be the dollar that we know today, right? Because it would be backed by something. So what if they, what if that becomes like a CBDC and we just go into it this might total be. dystopian It might game? be. And what about the BRICS countries becoming ever more powerful and more allied with each other? I mean, all the BRICS com- countries like fucking hate each other. Let's be honest here. Like the BRICS countries as it stands right now, like I think that's more of like a media, like kind of Bitcoin narrative that it's like the BRICS are, are getting stronger I mean, like, they're trying to bring in Saudi Arabia, but, like, all right, if you're dealing with, like, do you think, like, Russia and, like, China, like, really trust each other? No, or do but you I think, think that, that the Ukraine like, war is, is driving tr- uh, Russia into China's arms, and it's it's causing them to have a stronger alliance. Yeah, so they have a stronger alliance, but China will cut Russia's neck off, like, as soon as, like, it slit their throat as soon as they possibly can. I think that— And, and China's also, their economy is collapsing. Russia, by their invasion of Ukraine, you're showing how weak their military is, so— but the, these countries aligning with each other is actually strengthening the U.S. as a global dominant power. Well, exactly, and so like I would want a I would want a president that is going to do what they can to try to uh, strengthen the dollar, opposed to bringing in policies that I think would pro- potentially hurt the dollar, which I think you know a lot of the other uh, you know um, political candidates would do. I mean, like let's be honest though. Hold on, stop one second. Okay. Okay. During Trump's presidency, did he didn't he not bully? Jerome Powell to have zero interest rates for like four years for no reason. And didn't we print 80% of our country's um, money supply as a result of COVID in 2020? Because he entrusted public health to Dr. Fauci, who recommended these lockdowns and closures, which caused us to have to print an, an ungodly amount of money. Yeah, I mean, okay, so uh, Trump did print money. That was the big, I mean, that was like a big negative, but Biden printed more. Um, under Biden's, but all right. So like Jerome Powell, right? Like he, no matter which side of the coin you're on, Jerome Powell was under Trump and under is also under Biden. And so he's kind of like implemented the, the money printing and the QE on both sides of things when it was Trump in office and Biden. So, I mean, like Biden also I- issued stimulus as well. Biden in, in, injecting seven trill in a red hot economy was kind of the death knell. Like there was no need for that. Yeah, exactly. That was actually very bad. That was really dangerous. Like we could have maybe had a soft landing had he not done that. But by doing that, you created a big, you created a lot of the problems that we are dealing with. Unfortunately, people are so cognitively dissonant on bullshit social justice issues like abortion that they're not going to see that. Yeah. that's unfortunate. But okay, so let's be honest here though, right? I mean like with COVID, if like the globe shut down too, it wasn't just, it wasn't just America and Trump. And so a big issue with with what happened in America is like supply chains shut off and like, you know, the U.S. was very reliant on China with a lot of these supply chains kind of issues. Right. And once China kind of shut down, that shut down a lot of manufacturing when it came to like coming into the U.S. and like a lot of that cheap labor. Right. So Trump has always been kind of like a bring a bring jobs back to America, bring manufacturing back to America. That's kind of been his M.O. since he was president. It's just like you can only do so much in four years where you make it like beneficial to do that. Right. Look, I like Trump. I'm just asking tough questions because I, um, 
want to still live in the United States and not live in China 2.0. Yeah, I know. So I agree th- with that's you. Why I'm, that's why I'm asking these tough questions. It's important that people are not afraid to like be critical and ask tough questions and like point out good things and bad things that people do. And I also think that if you own investable assets, Donald Trump is a phenomenal president to have. Well, so I- there is that component and i also agree with you too you there's not if you have a political candidate that you agree with a hundred percent of the things you did you're a fucking liar and you're also an idiot because that that's like the opposite of uh how you're supposed to look at politics yeah it's like anti-human and like anti-god too when you think about it exactly so i mean like there's i i'll admit like without covid i think trump was doing a good job but he uh you know Powell tried to raise interest rates and you that was when the you know cracks started started to show pre-2020 2018 yeah you saw a lot of cracks. yeah You saw the cracks kind of show, and that's when Trump was like, hey, like, re-lower interest rates. Like, what the fuck are you doing? And, I mean, like, we were kind of running in an environment that allowed things like FTX to kind of run rampant, allowed some of these, like, bullshit companies to kind of pop up. And, like, that was because of the zero interest rate environment. But, like, when you're also running, like, this fiat Ponzi that we are, like, what would you rather have? Like, all right. Uh, zero interest rate environment where you know companies are able to pop up and make bullshit or uh, you know high interest rate environment where basically like you know only rich people that have like these these companies are able to pull the strings I mean it's they're uh, both terrible yeah they're, they're both, both terrible. terrible yeah it's not exactly like like right now we're in we're in a stage where the economy is doing not well if you ask any average Joe because like people are getting like middle I I know a lot of friends anecdotally that are getting laid off and let go of their positions because they're not entry level positions. They're in a point where they're not management, but they're getting more expensive. And you could probably hire a college, a kid fresh out of college, pay him half as much and let them try to work and figure it out. And they're not, um, you know, upper management who's like making a lot of these decisions. So I think like the middle area where I'm at, like if you were to kind of in work would probably be like around that are the people that are going to be hurting the most right now. I'm lucky that I have this tricycle and I'm able to still do okay. Yeah. But I'm saying like if you were working in like corporate America, for example, like that this is like our age demographic would be the people that are kind of in trouble. Yes. And And, and like and that's the people that want to buy a house. Those are the people that are trying to get married, trying to have kids. And then you They'll factor like, in the boomers are about to retire, and most of their money is in stocks. You when the stock market's been doing well. Huge, well, yeah, you could like you're seeing a lot of cues to get a huge sell-off to take place. Yeah, and then okay, so you know a lot of kids, people our age, maybe like decided to go and uh, sell stocks on Robinhood 2020, and uh, they you know are doing that full time. Maybe they needed to go get a job because it's gotten harder, obviously, because not everything's going up, and now they're unable to find a job. But hey, the job market is doing well, allegedly. But like I know friends that have been searching for jobs that have like pretty good resumes and been searching for jobs for three, four, six months. And, uh, you know, can't find anything. Can't like I have a friend that has applied. He told me to 210 jobs and he's had two interviews. Well, that's dang, that's scary. I, I think that's why they're pushing this whole AI narrative of taking jobs away because it hides the incompetence of how we've centrally planned our economy. Well, I mean, and if you look at the jobs numbers, how they're reported, it's all fucking full of shit. It's all survey based. And the surveys like before it was like, hey, it's your civic duty to reply to these surveys. And like previously, there was like a 60 to 70 percent reply rate. Now it's like 30 and under. And so like ADP is like a very popular uh, kind of uh, HR payroll service. So they help report job numbers. There's like a survey that they send to CEOs. And then there's also surveys that they send to people. And so like there's like three or four different jobs reports and they're all not accurate. And the Fed is reacting to these job numbers after they come out because only the people that have jobs that like joe biden are responding to it so it skews the job numbers it skews the job numbers and it's all survey based so it's all backdating so by the time the federal reserve starts to pull back and like uh you know pull back the interest rates and does the actual pivot that it's going to be too late because it's all like you you're not going to be able to get like up-to-date data like right you can go on your phone right now and search apple stock you could get that real-time price right now you can't do that with job numbers you get it every month or every quarter or whatever it is depending on like what report you're looking at and it's all about the previous month just like cpi numbers right yeah so i mean it's like all the data that the fed is using is all backwards looking and you can project what the cpi number would be you know a lot of hedge funds do that the week of but i mean like 
you know, the Fed, like, looks at these things and they come and talk and, like, you'll see. I mean, we're talking about it on the way over here. Like, you, Jerome Powell, whatever he says, moves the market in one direction or the other. So it's like you can't really – I guess like trust these guys to make these kind of decisions because like at the end of the day everybody's human and like Jerome Powell is going to do what he thinks is right but more, more than likely he's going to be moving too slow and more than likely it's going to be too late and so you know as we're talking like with the soft landing hard landing whatever like there's not going to be a soft landing there's there's so many cracks underneath the surface now you cannot have a soft. it's impossible but i mean like landing. in jerome powell's defense like playing devil's advocate what would he do right i mean would it go back to the zero interest rate environment like, no you just pause yeah you just pause and keep it as is and say we're going to pause and kind of see what happens yeah but like all right pause see what happens but here's the thing though um, and this is also why stocks um, always take a tumble whenever the Fed starts lowering rates because, you know, on the surface you say, oh my God, they're lowering rates, equities are going to boom. But when you really look at it a little bit deeper, wait, why are they lowering rates? Are people not having jobs? Are unemployment numbers a lot worse? Are people struggling more than we think they are? Does that mean they're not going to be able to buy as many phones or gadgets from Apple or Microsoft? What's that going to do to earnings? Why did I pay $300 a share for Microsoft when after we see how much the company's made, it's maybe 230 a share? Let me sell this off in mass, and then this is how little equities crashes start occurring. Well, also, let's look at it that way, too. Like, people look at analysts who analyze, you know, internal analysts that estimate revenue per quarter. And that's kind of like what earnings come out every quarter for these publicly traded companies. Well, they're saying that there hasn't been a quote unquote like earnings recession yet, but that's because they're projecting their earnings lower. Like, I mean, like, it's just like, all right, well, we're making more revenue, but our CapEx is higher because gas is more expensive, you know, like... Manufacturing costs, supply, you got to pay the workers more. Yeah. Yeah, everything. Everything's going up, but the revenue is more, but, like, the amount that the company's making is not. And, you know, there's been kind of this ruse in tech where people paid you know, their workers in like their stock, right? I mean, Apple does this, Facebook has done this, like all these like kind of tech companies did this where they paid in their stock. So their stock price would kind of like theoretically go up because they're paying their workers this stock price. And like, in a sense, you know, then their workers are making more money because, hey, we're going to give you uh, the 200 or 200 day moving average of the stock when you started, which I'm just throwing out numbers, but say like for Apple, for example, is a hundred dollars when you started, we'll give you a dividend every quarter because like, that's what Apple stock does. It pays a dividend. So you'll get a little bit more and, and on top of you'll get stock. Right. And then by the end of the year, when you report taxes, you have to report how much taxes or how much that, that went up because you, you know, got paid at a hundred dollars. Yeah, but share. if you haven't sold it, then how, it's not a capital gains tax or anything like that, but it's like reported earnings, income, okay. income, reported income, right, for the company of Apple. And so it's, it's this way so that they, they pay extra taxes to help prop up the company. By yeah. And it's basically wow. like how all these companies have been like able to get around this. And like for me personally, unless you're working for a company that is like an Apple or like a well-established thing, like getting paid in a company's stock is like probably the biggest scam that there is because like all these startups will like hey we'll pay you sixty thousand a year but we'll give you ten grand a stock or we'll pay you a hundred thousand we'll give you twenty grand of our stock and then you know we'll pay it out over time and then you know the company goes under or the stock crashes and then you're absolutely fucked but during this but also if the company blows up then you make a ton of money so there yeah is that. and well I mean that's how the Silicon Valley kind of boom happened was like all these people were moving to Silicon Valley to go work at these, you know, tech startups. And like you could throw dart at the wall and all these fucking tech startups were working and blowing up. And then your stock price that you got paid in 10 X, you sell a little bit of that stock. You go buy an inflated million dollar single family, one bedroom house oh, yeah. in San Francisco. And like uh, you can afford it. And it doesn't matter because you're getting paid like out the wazoo with all this stock prices. Well, now stocks are like flat or even down. So, like, how does that, like, that's why you see a lot of these states hurting, a lot of these people moving out of, you know, California because, like, that extra income that they were earning with stock prices, it's not booming as much. Yeah, so and now not- you can't afford to live there. And then you also look at the crime and everything else that's happening, and it also provides another justification. But there, there are always deeper layers to this. Yeah, 100%. Um, 
What do you think the catalyst will be to get the Fed to pause? Um, I think it will be commercial real estate. Well, I mean, I don't even think it's like because I, I had a I posted a little thread that I shared to you on the phone. Yeah, I mean, well, if you want to dive into that, we can. But I think like I think so. Two thousand eight was a lot like they kind of attribute it to residential real estate. I think this time it's going to be commercial real estate because a lot of the buildings, commercial buildings in like downtown San Francisco, Chicago, New York, a lot of the big cities where people have been exiting. Well, these companies that were there, they don't need these office buildings anymore. And so how a commercial building gets evaluated is 75 percent of the rent at two thousand dollars a room or whatever would uh, make this building worth $20 million, for example. Now this uh, the rent had to be cut in half just to get people in the door, and it's 25% occupied. So it cuts the valuation of this building in half, and uh, uh, regional banks were the ones that were lending on it. So the regional banking system is like, well, you guys, uh, like, we have to fucking sell this property and because a lot of, of, a lot of people that own the, these commercial real estate buildings are like smaller cap companies they may be they may be publicly traded it may not be but a lot of smaller cap companies yeah they're not blackrock or vanguard where yeah, they can afford this yeah kind of or loss. even if they're not publicly traded they have the market cap equivalent of a, of a small cap company yeah um and if they cannot um afford to upkeep the building they got to sell it um because everyone when everyone sells something the price will always go lower because there's less of a de- there's more of a demand to get rid of it and then you know who buys everything on the cheap black, black rock and vanguard. vanguard and all the big hedge funds bill will, will gates buy up. yes just like he owns that street in tampa so yep. yeah i could see that um creating a crash in equities i also think that um you're gonna see certain events that mark like a top like you saw the top of the Dow jones when the fed sold their shares of stock for moral and ethical reasons in 21 yeah um, and I'm like, oh, I got some Facebook, Apple, Microsoft, and this brokerage account that I had. And I'm like, yo, we're selling that, and I'm buying my house. Like, I sold it, like, right almost immediately. I was like, what do I sell? Because I had, like, these – I have this TD Ameritrade account that I was messing with. Yeah. And I had, like, these EV stocks and all this other bullshit. And I'm like, maybe I should sell everything and all, all the crypto and make the down payment, or do I sell the stock? And I just decided, you know, let's just sell the stock and, and keep all this because over, like, 10, 20, 30 years, the, the, the Bitcoin and the crypto will – um, potentially go up in value anyway, and it's a, a forever investment. And these older stocks are um, probably at their top because that's why the Fed's selling, right? Yeah. So I did that, um, and I think that one of the things that they're going to do um, is, you know, they're always talking about like Congress is going to try to like stop themselves from trading. Yeah, dude, the day that Congress bans themselves from trading stocks is the day you got to run for the hills. Not financial advice, but if it happens like right now, I'm like I'm not a financial expert. And this is also not financial advice, but the Dow Jones, S&P, and NASDAQ are at like these huge key support and retracement levels. Yeah. If they start doing stuff like this at 786 retracement levels. Yeah, I mean, I agree, dude. I mean, like. Uh, I mean, yeah, that, that's bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I, I, like, I mean, the inside, the amount of insider trading is like rampant. And it's not just one party, right? Nancy Pelosi, everybody, got, did, and Dan Crenshaw, all yeah, of it, yeah, yeah. I mean, Nancy Pelosi made, was probably the most popular, but I mean, it's all like both parties. I mean, it's a ridiculous. So you'll see, like AOC, she has a like a million dollar condo, and she makes allegedly like six figures. Like, but she doesn't thousand. trade. She's smart. She she figures she, she's doing something else. Yeah, she's getting paid off. Or maybe something. her husband or her uh, boyfriend or something, Riley is. Maybe Riley, the guy yeah. that her fiance is the one trading. Yeah, somebody was calling her a big booty Latina. So Alex Stein, like, my buddy Alex Stein did that. Yeah, yeah big booty yeah, Latina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was probably, that was probably uh, the, yeah. She probably sued somebody for sexual harassment that wasn't Alex Stein and just said it was. and Just got paid. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows, dude? All Who the knows? All right, anyway, we got to wrap up, but um, how do we get a hold of you? Yeah, man. So the best way, probably my Twitter, Green Candle IT on Twitter or X now. But I'm trying to grow the YouTube. So if you guys are on YouTube, just search Green Candle um, and you'll find me. So. All right, Brandon, so excited. Thank you for coming on. Thanks, man. As always, As always, always a pleasure. Always a pl-